You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Straight. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. In one way, feel good because he was one for seven. But again, you follow him like most players aren't going three or 15 from the line. I mean, even if they're poor free throw shooters, they're probably making 10. That, that's a big difference. You know, it's another seven points. So, which makes it a, a much different game. But, you know, I, we didn't do a very good job on Timmy. We're going to, I didn't think we did a great job on Tolu, to be honest with you. I know he's one for seven, but we probably fouled him a little too much. So, we're going to have to continue to work with our post guys. on, And some of the fouls weren't, you know, Charles tough call late on a verticality uh, clip there. That, I, that was a tough one. That wasn't necessarily guarding totally helped on somebody else. So we, we got to figure out a way to keep our bigs out of foul trouble with Shibway coming up because he's obviously a load. Not sure what kind of threat they pose, that being Kentucky, because Kentucky is not very good. Welcome into the show. Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson and Christian Miller. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm good. Um... How was your Christmas, Matt? Uh I haven't, uh, was, I haven't, uh, I haven't shared with our audience exactly what happened to you. It and... was eventful and uh, uh, unique. I've never had a Christmas quite like this. But have you ever heard of a blue healer? It's a dog. Oh yeah. Uh, and it, you, you Kristen, you're you're a dog guy. You've heard of them. Yeah, that's right. They are easily the most athletic canine I've ever seen in my life, in terms of speed, agility, and they have like. Dominique Wilkins lift. I mean, I can throw stuff. I was out in the backyard Christmas Eve kind of messing around with a dog, and I threw the ball in one direction. He cut right behind me, and he clipped me. And I went down like a sack of rocks. Let's keep in mind, Christmas Eve, it was, what, 15 degrees? Yeah. So I fell on Lambeau Field, (laughs) and uh, it hurt. And so uh, I got up. And then I self-medicated for a little while to see if that wouldn't take the pain away. And when I got up Christmas morning, I literally couldn't move. Karen had to come and help me get up. Hmm. Uh, I knew what I had done because I, I had broken and bruised and cracked and fractured ribs before. And you can't breathe. I mean, it str- and you struggle for every bodily function you can imagine is just hell. So I've been, that's what I've gone through the last four days. So I, uh, I apologize for not being here. But Lars, I know you you've had broken ribs and yeah. and the other thing is I was I, I waited I'm not going to the ER on Christmas day. I followed up. I wanted to go see uh, my uh, orthopedist. And he's skiing. Well, I don't blame him. I'd be skiing too if I could. But the long and short of it is you talk to people, they'll tell you. Well, you can come in, get it x-rayed, you can do whatever you want to. You can stand on your head. Nothing's going to change. 
They have to heal on their own, and the only thing you can do, you can try and wrap it. You can try and ice it. Yeah, try and ice your back when you can't wiggle your toes. So I, I went through all of that and decided I would just let Karen wait on me hand and foot, which she did. God bless my wife. She's just terrific. My son, too, coming over, and everybody was waiting on me. But that's what you have. You have to let people wait on you. I literally had to have people help me up so I could go to the can. That's how bad it was. And it doesn't, it doesn't help a lot that I'm, I'm a little longer in the tooth, and I am in no way in the shape that I was 10 years ago. If I had been 10 years ago, I wouldn't have fallen. But, you know, I don't have the balance I once did. But anyway, uh, I waited a couple of days. Yesterday I got up and felt a little bit better. Today I celebrated. You want to you know how? How so? I went to the dentist. So how's that to cap it all off? Uh, wow. But that went well. Uh, laid in the dentist chair for an hour and a half. They're having to do some major dental work in the back of my mouth. But I figured I would wait and explain it to everyone at once so I wouldn't have to keep doing it over and over and over again. But God bless. I had a great Christmas, even though everybody else went on without me, which is exactly what I would expect. Did you end up going and seeing anybody? No. To- yeah, no. But you know if you get if they're broken. But I saw yeah, yeah you know you know. Uh, but I saw all my family that evening, and uh, unfortunately, uh, they all came to my rescue when they saw me sprawled in the backyard and a dog licking my face. So that's how it went. But I'm a blessed man. Uh, I have uh, no regrets whatsoever. Uh, well, I, I still I, got I, some Christmas gifts to open though. How about that? <laughs> I, I can't believe you made it here. Uh, my own experience with the broken ribs was, uh, I think I was on my second or third date with April and we were at Lou's pub. What a great place. It's yeah. a shrine. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, uh, it's a writer's hangout. It's a journalist's hangout. Yeah. You, right. And that's, I was, uh, yeah, we went there all the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's pretty deep into the evening and, uh, one guy that we were with who I didn't know. He challenged me to do uh, five one-arm push-ups, and I was like, "All right." <laughs> and so I get down, start one, two, and he thought he was going to be like a real funny guy, and he uh, kicks his leg and he 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 pushes me over, and I go right into you know the uh, those tabletops there. They're just it's that one bar that yep. comes up, and I just go straight into that bar. Uh, and at the time, you know, I just kind of pop up and nah, no big deal. You're a SOB, whatever I, you know, cause he didn't want me to win the uh, 20 bucks that he was going to owe me. Well, man, about two hours later, I was just absolutely in devastating pain. And, uh, again, April, I'd never met her family before and her, um, brother-in-law was a, a surgeon and, uh, and so he gets me in right away, and that's the first time I meet him. And he's like, yep, you got three cracked ribs, Ew. buddy, and nothing nothing I can do for you except write a prescription. And then that uh, later that day was when I first met her mother, who became my mother-in-law. Quite a, quite a first impression. What a way to get introduced to your... <laughs> Your, uh, to April's family. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, maybe as a precursor of things oh, to come. Well. But um, <laughs> Christian, have you have you ever broken ribs before? Never have I uh, broken any ribs. No, broke my elbow. Uh, you know, I, I, I dealt with Ouch. a lot of. Yeah, that that one was not fun. Honestly, I really just had uh, a lot of soft tissue injuries. No, nothing. I think the only other thing I somewhat broke was 
had an avulsion fracture on my spine in high school um, where the muscle basically pulled a piece Ooh. of the bone off and uh, had that removed. But other than that, yeah, just a broken elbow um, and some uh, pulled or torn muscles, which aren't fun either. <laughs> how, how did you break? How did you break the elbow? Uh, it was football practice, um, and my teammate, me and my teammate, were both going to uh, make a tackle, and I was at the linebacker position. He was coming down from the safety position, and the angle he took, he just happened to drive his helmet through the back of my arm, right on my elbow, and it pretty much. I don't know if you guys, if you feel your elbow right now, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, like the anatomy of it, but the inside, you have that bone that kind of sticks out. Whatever that bone that sticks out, it basically broke off. He, like, cracked it off. So I had to get it screwed back on. Ooh. Yeah. I have seen the cast that they put people in with broken elbows. Oh, it's And the they worst. pretty much go from your wrist all the way over your shoulder. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I imagine that's quite and, cumbersome. And it's a hard cast, too. And it was one of those things. <laughs> I actually cut mine off. Um, and my doctor was pretty pissed at me for that. But um, I just I couldn't do it any longer. I was... Um, I was at my brother's high school football game, and I just remember it was real muggy out there, real humid. And inside of that cast, as you could imagine, was just it was gross. It was it felt so itchy, and yeah. I just I couldn't do it. So I, I I got my cousin at like eleven or twelve at night, and I said, "Help me out. We're, we're going, we're going, we're going to work." And we cut the cast off, and I just put the splint <laughs> I had on it, and I showed up to the doctor's office a week or two later, and he just looked at me and started shaking his head. And I was like, "I'm sorry, dude. I couldn't do it anymore." <laughs> But it is okay. It worked out. Oh my goodness! Well, um, Matt, with the broken ribs, the sneeze has to be the worst. Oh man! And if you're if you're kind of person, kind of person like me, I, not just a single sneezer. Like there's usually more than one coming. Oh, and I'm a and, violent sneezer. I don't just go at you. Um, <laughs> at one time in my life, I have made all of my children cry. And my grandchildren, because my sneezes are very loud. They're very violent. And now you've talked me into having one. <laughs> I haven't had one. But cough, okay. a cough is bad. Mm. If I may just be very, uh, farts are bad, okay? <laughs> you, yeah. I, mean, your hair, I mean, your hair hurts if you move wrong. So anyway, uh, I'm so blessed because I, too, Lars, having gone through this before, am surprised that I'm this mobile. I am, too. So maybe they're just bruised. But whatever the case may be. For two days, it was I. I just I didn't ring a little bell. I just hit my cell phone so I could get Karen from downstairs. Um, just text her. I need a sandwich. Yeah. It's tough to eat too. So, yeah. Uh, if there's a silver lining, maybe I lost a couple of pounds. You look good. Uh, you look I good. Feel good. I feel. Let me let me get back to Christian because he's a dog guy. Because I want to get back and wrap this thing up. Because we got a lot to talk about Alabama basketball, football, Liberty Bowl last night was fantastic. Bo Nix. Uh, Bo Nix bringing him back, winning by a point. Uh, that's that's great on his resume. But do you have or are you familiar? You said you knew Blue Heelers. I just want to get into this dog for a second. Yeah, I'm familiar with them. I, I've never had one, but I've you know I've seen them and, and I know a little bit about them. Uh, this is not the first time he's he's clipped me. Was this at your daughter's house? Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, the backyard? I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I met, we were in the backyard that, just goofing around. You know? before, yeah. um, and it was, uh, it was a little later in the evening, to, but not late where I feel like that was a part of it, although it certainly didn't help. I was, I was really fine. We're out there playing with a dog. But that dog has more endurance, too, I've ever seen. It will play until you wear your arm out or you break your ribs, whatever, whatever the case may be. All right, that being said, I guess we need to roll break.
Lars, who we got on the show? Coming up in just a few minutes. Yeah, coming up in a few minutes, we have uh, Brian Pasek, uh, who was calling the game last night, uh, Alabama-Mississippi State. And then at one fifteen, we have Chris Walsh from Bama Central. Uh, we will preview, uh, continue to preview uh, the Sugar Bowl. And, uh, man, there's this – last night – there was a stretch of about 90 minutes yeah. when it was college football to raise the dead. It was amazing. Fabulous stuff. And we really hadn't gotten into the big gun, the big games. Uh, and there are a few games. We got one starting in about 45 minutes, I think. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. F-66, partly cloudy tonight with a low near 51. And for Friday, increasing clouds early. Rain arrives during the afternoon and continues overnight. It'll be breezy with a high near 67. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Last night in Starkville, Alabama defeated Mississippi State 78-67 and quite honestly a pretty ugly game. But a double-digit win on the road in this league is big time. So uh, Alabama wins it. I was surprised that uh, Kentucky didn't just get beat. They got waylaid at Missouri. And LSU upset my little piggies. We'll go on a basketball at the bottom of the hour and we'll bring on Brian Passink. But you've got big noon sports. Thank you for dialing us up. you got Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, and Matt Coulter. Last night, as you were saying, for about 90 minutes, if you were really good with your channel changer, you're watching a lot of good college football. But I think we can start, because we were talking about it during the break, with the Hogs. Uh, that was a good game. Probably shouldn't have been that good of a game, because I think Arkansas is superior. Um, but Kansas, I think, was a little bit more motivated. And uh, it took three overtimes that Arkansas finally stopped Kansas in the third overtime when they go to going for two only, and they were able to hold off the Jayhawks and win it by a score of 55-53. to 53. I just am not used to, after we've been using overtimes for how long, 15 years now? I'm just still not used to scores like 55-53. to 53. If, if you really look at that, that looks like a basketball score where they played really good defense. <laughs> yeah, and um, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I bet the Razorbacks big, and uh, the spread was minus 2.5. And so when you get to that third overtime, you know that they can only win by two. And uh, this is, to me, I, I it's like this game was over two hours earlier, okay? Arkansas led 38 13 at one point in the third quarter and they led by 18 points in the fourth quarter 
and uh, and and it came down to uh, overtime and KJ Jefferson hitting uh, Rashad uh, Debion, I think that's how you say it, out of the backfield for a winning two point conversion. Uh, you got to give credit to Kansas. They're playing in their first bowl game since 2008. Wow. Uh, the Jayhawks, uh, for several years, had been sort of uh, infamously known as the worst program in the United States. And uh, their coach, Leopold, done a great job, a great job of turning that program around. And um, and in but but look, Arkansas, they had this game won, uh, and and there was a, a a fumble that was called on an Arkansas wide receiver on an end around. I think it was pretty clear his elbow was down. Uh, if that if that play goes, uh, if that play isn't ruled a fumble, game over. Arkansas had the worst defense. I've ever seen on an onside kick. I mean, it was just like, uh, hey, let's just give Kansas the ball on this. They had they had one sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, I, Christian can explain the dynamics of it, but they just had like one guy in the who was there to field the ball. Everyone else went to block uh, Kansas players who were who were rushing. Uh, on that right side, it was, a, it was a kick to the the kicker's right, and the guy from Arkansas who was um, uh, supposed to field the ball looked like his feet were stuck in concrete, or maybe he was just like I don't know, looking at the stars. He just he just didn't move, didn't do anything. I, it was really the worst defense of an onside kick I think I've ever seen. It was as if they were trying <laughs> to give the game away. Uh, so let's start there, uh, Christian. Did did you get a chance to see this game? Um, I got to see some of it. Um, I'll, I'll speak on that onside kick. So it was a five by five formation, right? And you have five guys lined up for Arkansas. So each one of those guys was responsible for each of the five guys that Kansas had. So, you know, somebody has number one, two, three, four, et cetera, five, right? Well, I think the issue was the return man, who's normally, you know, a receiver or someone with good hands uh, who they trust, he had too much depth and maybe that was his alignment that they wanted him in, but he has to attack the football. And also it looked like somebody kind of whiffed on their block. Right, because if everybody goes, because if if you go watch, you know, onside kicks, usually that front line, their job is to go clean somebody's clock that's trying to, you know, recover the football. And I think we saw Will Anderson do it last season against, I can't remember who it was, but I mean, he just annihilated somebody on the sideline. That's what you got to do. That front line has to go attack them, get their blocks, and then that way the the return man can run and secure the football. But look like somebody kind of whiffed on their block. Maybe I'm watching it now. The number two guy whiffed on his block, and the return man just didn't step up fast enough. And unfortunately, that's the result that's going to happen um, when, with, with failed execution. So that's what I can say about that. But I, I will say these bowl games have just been exciting. And uh, I hope it, it, it inspires guys to want to play in these games because, you know, you're playing against an opponent that you usually don't get to play against. Um, you're in a, in a neutral site, you know, with a fun environment. And typically these games end up being very competitive football games. And uh, you got to also throw in that, that Arkansas was playing, you know, with a, a thin roster. They had a lot of guys that had opted out. And um, I'm just glad they were able to get the win because I, I hate every year, for whatever reason, the SEC just doesn't seem to perform well in these bowl games. And that's all we hear about is, oh, the SEC is overrated and this and that. But, man, it is what it is. You know, I think just for whatever reason, they just don't play the best at the end of the season. I know I'm probably biased here, but 
that's that's just how I feel about that. Yeah, and then just uh, another incredible game was the Holiday Bowl. And year in and year out, guys, the Holiday Bowl just gives us such uh, entertaining football. And uh, Oregon versus uh, North Carolina. Oregon was a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, you, you, you figured that they're going to run away with it, but then you, you look at the Oregon's roster, and they also were depleted, Christian. A ton of Oregon guys opted out. A ton mm-hmm. of them did. But uh, Bo Nix, he, you know, he decides he's, he's sticking around for his senior year, and he didn't have the greatest game uh, in the first three-and-a-half quarters. Uh, he only threw for 205 total yards, but he threw for 56. Uh, they're they're trailing 27-21, and he throws for 56 yards in the final drive, and he ends up with 19 second, seconds left. Just throws this beauty of a ball to uh, his, uh, I think it was his tight end, Chase Coda, uh, coming over the middle, and they end up winning 28-27 at Petco Park. Uh, in San Diego, and uh, a, a couple thoughts here. One, they got to quit playing football games at, on baseball fields. That 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 that. You that, think we'd be past that? I now. mean, it, it, the 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 footing was just awful for these guys. These are two teams that are averaging thirty five points a game, uh, and and that's uh, I think a big reason why the the score wasn't higher is because nobody could keep their footing. Two, uh, North Carolina's quarterback Drake May. He is incredible. This kid is going to be, mark my words, a number one overall pick. He uh, his his stats weren't amazing last night, but man, he can just make every throw. He's big. He's elusive. Uh, I, I just I I have I have I, I had seen just bits and pieces of him throughout the year. But, wow, is he good. I have watched a lot of him, and he is a fantastic quarterback. And is it, are these just really off-the-wall, really huge Twitter uh, rumors that he's talking about going to Alabama? Well, I know he was recruited hard by Alabama. Christian, can you shed any light on that? Uh, I actually think he came out and uh, addressed those rumors and said that uh, it wouldn't be right if he didn't finish his career at uh, North Carolina. He may have had you know, some family members that also attended the university, so it sounds like he's staying put. But we definitely could use a guy with his talent because he, he definitely can uh, he can make some very <laughs> nice talented. throws. Yeah, very talented. Oh, my goodness, is he good. And uh, really happy for Bo Nix. And I think both of these quarterbacks, and, and Christian and I talked about this yesterday, uh, this game is going to feature two of the best quarterback, the, probably the best quarterback matchup, or one of the best quarterback matchups of the entire bowl season. But heading into 2023, you got to put Bo Nix and, and, and May right in there uh, in terms of uh, Heisman front runners. And Bo is really good at kicking it in late, isn't he? Yeah. He even did that in his first start at Auburn against Oregon. <laughs> oh, how the world turns around. Back with Bama Basketball Talk, Brian Passink on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Did you know that over 90% of male enhancement pills are virtually the same thing that's repackaged, redone over and over again? Why settle for the same old product when you can get something...
Big Noon Sports. Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, Matt Coulter, Josh and Joe at the wheel. Appreciate everybody's effort and um, upcoming. Uh, wishing everybody a, a happy, happy new year. And which I will stay at home, legs locked, watching TV. Uh, no more dancing around for Matt on holidays. Anyway, uh, we'll get Brian on here in just a minute. Pass Inc., who's the color analyst for the Alabama Crimson Title Basketball Network. Um, Alabama defeated Mississippi State by a score of 78-67. to By the way, UAB plays tonight, if I read schedules correctly, uh, and they, they play UTEP. Uh, at Bartow, 6.30, which may change my plans for the evening if I can sit still long enough. Brian is with us. Brian, it's Matt Coulter and the gang. Lars and Christian are here. How are you? I'm doing great. Back from Starkville, uh, got a nice, solid road win to start SEC play, so life is good. How are you guys? Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Everybody's good here. Um, hey, break it down. Uh, I told everybody when we were going into the break, any road win is big in the SEC, and when you can win by double digits against a ranked team who only lost one game thus far, there were problems. It was sluggish at time. Alabama turned the ball over too much. But all in all, like I said, winning on the road, that's a big deal. It is a big deal, and it's always a big deal to win at Starkville in basketball. That's a underrated basketball rivalry over the years going back to the days of the good old days of divisional play in men's basketball we don't have that anymore we haven't had it for a while but uh there were there was a time that the the sec west in basketball would go through tuscaloosa or starkville and with the proximity and the success of those programs uh that that's a fun rivalry and the fans get into it it was a packed house last night so it's always been tough to win there even when mississippi state has not been very good but they are very good they're a top 20 top 21 team in the country they're one of the best defensive teams in the country and one of the surprises of college basketball in the early part of the season so for a lot of reasons that was a great way to start conference play and a big win for alabama yeah, according to some analytics service, uh, I think Ken Palm, that Mississippi State has a top five defense. And uh, with Alabama in foul trouble, really had some, some guys step up. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, junior forward Nick Pringle uh, scored uh, 12 points on 4-4 four, four shooting. And then uh, also uh, Mark Sears, uh, you know, uh, leading the tide with 20 points. Was this a game that really illustrated Alabama's depth? No doubt, and and it was needed because this was a game in years past, and Chris Stewart and I talked about it on the postgame show, and we've actually uh, texted about it this morning. This is a game that, uh, with the exception of a couple years ago, uh, the team that, that won the SEC regular season tournament title and went on to the Sweet 16, this was a game that, uh, most Alabama teams that we've uh, covered uh, over the last 20-some-odd years uh, at doing the radio that uh, Alabama probably would not have won that game. Uh, Mississippi State's good. They're tough. They're old. I think four out of their five starters are either seniors or graduates uh, seniors. So they've got fourth- and fifth-year guys. Alabama is young. And there was adversity with foul trouble. Um, but to have – uh, Nick Pringle step up the way he did was huge. Yes, Brandon Miller had 19-11. Mark Sears had a big game shooting the ball, handling the ball. 
Uh, and there were a lot of guys to give a ton of credit to. Uh, but I'm not sure uh, anybody deserves more credit than Nick Pringle. And, and the depth really paid off because you have Tolu Smith, who's a preseason first team, all SEC selection, 6'11", 250-pound, uh, one of the best centers in the SEC, one of the better centers in college basketball. And that was a focal point of the Alabama defense. And with Charles Bediaco, who's an excellent interior defender, uh, he got in foul trouble and other guys did as well. That was a game a year ago without the depth on the interior that I think Alabama would have lost. And because of the depth, because you, you can go to your bench and put in a guy uh, that is a caliber of player of Nick Pringle is why Alabama's in the top ten. Um, this team is talented. They have toughness. They have skill. But they also have depth. And in a game like last night where uh, everybody on the team had three fouls, it seemed like, by halftime, <laughs> Uh, you needed some guys to step up off the bench, and they did in a big way. Brian, a lot of Alabama fans have been interested in seeing Dom Welch. Uh, we finally got to see him briefly yesterday. Um, what would you say he brings to the table um, with his skill set? Well, he's a, a really good player. He's a veteran. He's a uh, fifth-year senior. Uh, he was team captain for a couple of years at St. Bonaventure, who, by the way, was a top 25 team uh, when he was there. He's a 1,000-point scorer. Uh, he started just about every game of his college career at St. Bonaventure. So he's a really good player. He can shoot it. He can defend. He's got size uh, on, on the perimeter. And he was one of the most sought-after transfers in the portal over the summer. <clears throat> and he's been out with a calf injury. And it, it, you almost – as an Alabama fan, didn't miss him that much because of how well Namari Burdett was starting to play and the depth of this team. Um, but you knew if you could get him back, it would just make this team better. All of a sudden, Namari Burnett goes down with a broken wrist, uh, and you don't have, other than Rylan Griffin, another true shooting guard on the roster. Now, you've got enough depth to, to play uh, some of your point guards at the shooting guard position or even Brandon Miller. Uh, who can play anywhere uh, at the shooting guard position. So still Alabama wasn't in bad shape, but uh, but to have a true uh, wing shooting guard in Dom Welch is huge for this team. He was on a minutes restriction last night. Uh, he's only practiced a handful of times, uh, but he is someone that is really going to help this team. And once he gets back into game shape, uh, I think he's going to uh, produce the types of numbers that maybe maybe not – that he did at St. Bonaventure because he's not needed to uh, with, with the talent and the scores on this team. Uh, but another capable score on the offensive end, a guy that can stretch the defense on the perimeter and a guy who can guard his position. So that's important. It's just going to make this team better as the year moves on. Brian Passink is our guest on Big Noon Sports. He is the color analyst for the Crimson Tide Sports Network and basketball. Uh, I want you to do a, a pretty deep dive here on Javon Quinterly. Uh, did he come back too soon? Are his minutes limited by the players in front of him? Because um, I really think if he comes in and he starts playing like he did, I'll go back two two years ago. He was SEC All Tournament player. Um, yep. Because if if he gets rolling like he was playing, and we know he's capable of, Alabama really is that Final Four team, in my opinion. What is up with his minutes? Well, I think it's a combination. Um, and to answer your question, did he come back too soon? No. Um, you know, I, I'm not surprised that he's been up and down and that 
uh, with the guys right now that are in front of him. And let me emphasize right now uh, because you're exactly right. I mean, Javon Quinterly, when he's back to, to full speed, and, and maybe full speed isn't the right word, when he's back to his old self, I think he's back at or close to full speed. Um, but when he's back in the way that we're used to seeing, and a couple years ago, yes, all tournament. And, and actually, he was the uh, MVP of the SEC tournament. So uh, he, he was, at the time, one of the best players in college basketball. I think he can get back to that. Uh, and there's just some rust. Uh, there's some, you know, the, the, the fact that he hasn't played a lot of basketball, a lot of pickup in the summer. Uh, he wasn't able to really work on his game. Uh, his just, you know, there's some rust. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a, a lack of, of confidence in what he can do just because he hasn't been out on the court. He, he's one of those guys uh, that is a relentless worker. He's a gym rat. Uh, he plays, he works on his game every day of the summer, plays pickup pretty much every day of the summer. He's in the gym almost all, you know, the majority of the day. And he wasn't able to do that. Now, that work was spent on rehab and getting his knee right. And his knee is, it looks right to me. And it's just a matter of, of getting back to his old form. And I think it's important that he's able to work the kinks out now and, and having uh, come back a couple of months earlier than expected because I, I think JQ is one of those guys like Dom Welch, like Namari Burnett, uh, who is going to be playing their best. Those guys are going to be playing their best basketball when it matters most, and that's late in the season. So I'm not worried about JQ. He was struggling a little bit uh, last night with some turnovers, which he and uh, he's, he's got some teammates that have struggled with it as well. Um, but I, I think he's going to get in a rhythm, uh, and he's going to be back to the JQ that we all know and love. And, and you're right, when he's playing at his best, he's one of the best players in the country, and this team uh, could end up in a place that the, this program has never been before. Uh, they have the capability to do that, and I know those are the goals. But right now it's about the SEC season. It's about uh, trying to go 2-0 and on Tuesday night against Old Miss. Yeah, speaking of Ole Miss, uh, Alabama's next two games are at home, Ole Miss and then Kentucky. Uh, students, uh, most students will not be back yet for uh, the beginning of the spring semester. Um, can you just give us a, a, a quick preview of, of both of those games and, and what you are looking for for Alabama to accomplish uh, to be successful against Ole Miss and Kentucky? Well, I think right now, um, and whether it's Ole Miss, whether it's Kentucky, you know, Arkansas, Tennessee, uh, you know, some of the top teams, and I'm not sure that Ole Miss would be considered one of your top handful of teams in the SEC right now, but they're capable. Um, they, they've had some, some really nice wins in the non-conference and, and really, gosh, almost beat one of the top teams in the country last night in Tennessee. So they're a solid a dangerous team and one of the best, I think the best conference in America in the SEC and Kermit Davis can flat out coach. So uh, that's going to be a challenge on Tuesday night and uh, Alabama is going to have to be ready. Um, Saturday, it's going to be, well, first of all, I think Tuesday night is going to be a great atmosphere. I think our fans really appreciate what Nate Oates and this group is doing and, and, and the potential this team has and they're fun to watch. Coleman Coliseum has been a great place 
uh, to watch games over the last few years and, and this year will be no different. Uh, so I think the, the, the atmosphere in the next couple of games uh, will be off the charts, but especially Saturday, even though Kentucky has been up and down, um, they are Final Four talented. And John Calipari's teams, um, because of the youth, because of the changing, you know, essentially the entire roster each and every year with the way they recruit, uh, they, they haven't hit their stride. I hope they do, and I hope it's after Saturday. Uh, because they're capable, when they get it going, of being one of the top couple of teams in college basketball. But right now they're struggling. Um, and they went on the road and lost to a team that, a lot like Mississippi State, has been one of the surprises of college basketball, and that's the Missouri Tigers under Dennis Gates. Uh, his first year, he, he's turned a lot of heads with what he's doing in Columbia, Missouri. So uh, I knew that was going to be a tough game for Kentucky, who lost last night. But uh, that'll be that'll be fun. Uh, sell out sell out crowd at Coleman Coliseum, fifteen thousand strong. Uh, it's going to be a tough ticket. If anybody has extras, I'm looking for some. So uh, you can you can call, text, or tweet me. Uh, anybody got extra tickets? It's going to be a tough ticket on Saturday. But two big games coming up for Alabama. Uh, but listen, to start off one and zero with a road win against the top twenty five team is a great way to get SEC play started. Brian, you you mentioned the the electric atmosphere in Coleman Coliseum. How important or crucial is that uh, to getting these guys in the program and getting these top recruits to see that Alabama is indeed um, a good opportunity to come play basketball? It's huge, you know. It's it's a lot like you know when when you see the recruits at Brian Denny and and those young players are looking around with with big eyes that they want to be a part of, of what they're seeing. And I remember last year, early in the season, um, I can't remember what game it was, but it's the first time I met Brandon Miller. Uh, he was there with his family, uh, sitting in the recruiting section, and it was a great atmosphere, and it was an electric crowd, and there was excitement around the program. And listen, I don't know what Brandon Miller decides to do if he walks into a half-empty, quiet Coleman Coliseum a year ago. So it's huge for this team in the short term, but also... Uh, the buzz around this basketball program is what has recruit is what has attracted uh, what is the number three recruiting class in the country that, by all accounts, is underrated with Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney uh, and Rylan Griffin and, and Jaden Bradley. Uh, these guys have exceeded expectations, but uh, there's a lot of reasons why it's important to pack Coleman Coliseum, and hopefully we'll see that uh, over the next couple of games and throughout the season. Really. Uh, In my opinion, they're getting some buzz around here, but not as much nationally as they should. Thank you for your time, Brian. We'll see you in the next couple of days. All right, guys. Appreciate it. You bet. Hey, you're listening to Big Noon Sports with Lars and Matt and Christian. I've got a bold question for you, Christian Miller. A different one, something I've observed here Uh in just a minute. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Score! Paid for by Christian Care Ministry. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time. F66, partly cloudy tonight with a low near 51. And for Friday, increasing clouds early. Rain arrives during the afternoon, continues overnight. 
You'll be breezy with a high under 67. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Lars, Matt, Christian, and the gang. I've noticed something, and maybe it's been true in the past, but it seems more prevalent this year during bowl season than any other I've, I've seen or can recall. And that's that, man, these guys are getting chippy. And I, it's, it's weird, Christian, because, uh, by the way, they hadn't played each other all year. They're usually not from the same league, or they're not from the same league. Where does all this anger come from, and am I just blowing it out of proportion, or have you noticed uh, these guys are getting into it? I mean, the, the Carolina, Coastal Carolina, and um, the, the Birmingham Bowl, they were getting into it. Wh- yeah. where, where does the hate come from, guys? Uh, it's tough to say. I think just as a competitor, um, you know, you just want to go out there and you want to prove yourself. And, again, you're playing teams from other conferences. You want to prove that, you know, your conference is, is the better conference. You know, it's almost like you look at, you know, some guys, you know, they're proud of where they're from and they want to represent where they're from, whether that's a, a city or a state. And uh, I think it kind of resembles that, so to speak. But also, you know, there's just a lot of buildup with these games. You know, you're down there eager to play. You're practicing for, you know, a few days. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of fun activities. As a matter of fact, on my phone, I'm getting all these memories of all the fun things we do at bowl games and you know, all these, you know, go-kart riding and, and going out to eat these fun places and doing all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you want to go play a football game. And so you finally get that chance. And uh, and you also know it's going to be the last time you get to put the pads on um, for that season. It's because you, you're not going to put them on until spring ball, which, you know, is really only several months, but it feels like an eternity because you're used to doing it every single day. So you want to go out with a bang and probably what these guys are feeling they want to they want to end it up end it on a high note and uh they just want to go out there and compete man we got a really good bowl lineup again today i mean this is just like a, a festival of fun <laughs> all of these days i just love it uh pinstripe bowl coming up here kicking off in about seven minutes between syracuse and minnesota speaking of playing on baseball fields. yeah i know here we go uh, man, it, it's pretty cool though when Syracuse plays at Yankee Stadium, because uh, as someone who lived in New York City for 17 years, it seems like every other person you meet is a Syracuse grad. And man, they will especially tell, in journalism, they'll tell you that they're a Syracuse grad. Oh my God, uh, most <laughs> annoying uh, fan base. Um, yeah, and especially when it comes to basketball. But uh, Syracuse, Minnesota, uh, and the Pinstripe Bowl coming up at one. You got the Cheez It Bowl, uh, really cool matchup at four thirty this afternoon on ESPN. Florida State versus Oklahoma, and uh, then the Alamo Bowl tonight which is a real fascinating game, and we're going to get into all these. 8 o'clock, Texas versus Washington. Yes. And, um, you know, I how do Texas fans feel right now about Steve Sarkeesian? I, I think this is kind of an important game for him. and But also Washington, uh, this, is a, this is a really good team. They're on a winning streak. They have a, an excellent quarterback. 
And uh, Alamo Bowl is kind of like, uh, to me, uh, the Holiday Bowl. It just consistently produces really intriguing matchups that usually end in uh, very compelling games. Back in the day, wasn't it pretty consistent that BYU always played in the Holiday Bowl? Yeah. And the year like, they won the national championship, they didn't play in one of the big four. Yeah, they played like, in the Holiday yeah, Bowl. Like they won that. Steve Young, Robbie Bosco, Robbie Bosco, Jim McMahon, Ty Detmer, a uh, lot of good quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, I saw a little story on McMahon the other day. He's still a very interesting character, to, to say the least. Back with another hour. Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas has gone. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. So the bowl season continues on the 29th of December as they kick it off in New York City. Quick question. When you were up in your many years in New York, on a scale of 1 to 10, where was the popularity of college football? On a scale of 1 to 10? 10 being, 10 being like it is Alabama in, three. in this state. Yeah. That three. high. Yeah. No, nobody cares about college football in New York City. A little bit about Syracuse and really not that much about Rutgers because they're really not – yeah, but there were like uh, there there was a a bar where all Alabama fans uh, get yeah, together, and uh, same with the you know Ohio State fans, even Nebraska fans. Had to mention Nebraska. Took over an hour, but got it in one there. hour and one minute. Remember uh, last week you were saying that uh, celebrities die in threes. And I think we were waiting for the third one. And uh, this is some breaking news, really, really sad. Uh, Pele, the arguably the greatest soccer player in uh, history, has passed away. And, um, you know, he uh, was a soccer star who led Brazil to World Cup victories in 1956, uh, to a World Cup victory in 1956. And in the 60s and 70s, he rivaled Muhammad Ali as the world's most popular and recognizable athlete. And he died uh, this morning at a a hospital in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. He was 82 and had been in poor health for the last several years as he battled cancer. And uh, what uh, what the hospital described in a statement this week as, quote, kidney and cardiac dysfunctions. But, um, you know, his uh, he was just magic. He was magic. And um, and you got to remember that he came to the United States 
and, and played um, in uh, for the Cosmos, the New York Cosmos of the North American Soccer League. I think it was back in 1974. And he played three seasons, and he made seven million dollars. And for those three seasons uh, in the in the uh, mid seventies, and the Cosmos. I mean, this is hard to imagine, but in 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 uh, the mid seventies, they averaged. Uh, they would sorry, they would routinely fill giant stadium to near capacity. That's eighty thousand, eighty thousand people. And uh, would come and watch Pele, uh, just because he had so much skill, but he also had personality, and he really was credited with the 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 person that uh, sparked the growth of soccer in the United States because he went and played for the New York Cosmos of the of the North American Soccer League, and and he was the one. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was the one that dubbed it the beautiful game, and it still is called the beautiful game. And um, you know, because at, at the time it was just re- ridiculous to think that Pele, the greatest player of all time, was going to go play for this little team in New York, who was drawing that New York club, uh, New York Cosmos. They were drawing fifteen hundred. And then and they suddenly go to 80, they go to eighty thousand, and uh, just uh, it, it's a, a very sad day. I, I'm telling you, uh, he just was one of the most uh, iconic uh, uh, figures, and not just he, he transcended sports. Uh, one of the most iconic figures uh, of uh, of the uh, 21st century. Um, uh, and Christian, I, I know you're a, a lover of, of soccer and played a lot of soccer growing up. Uh, your thoughts on, on the passing of Pele? Yeah, just a sad day because he was such an icon for the sport and uh, he's a pioneer for the sport. And um, even though, you know, he was well before my time, um, you know, as a soccer player, you, you know, you always hear of Pele and, you know, and everything. He was just a trailblazer. He's a trailblazer. And um, just a sad day. Um, but again, like you mentioned, he had been dealing with some health uh, issues for quite a while now. And uh, I think it finally uh, just got the better, the better of him. But, uh, you know, just you know, prayers out to his family. But, man, what a special guy. And uh, uh, just always thankful for guys like him that, that are trailblazers and that are, that are, that are so iconic um, for sports or whatever, um, you know, whatever it is that, that they uh, contribute to because it, it, it paves the way for so many others after them. So he's uh, leaving behind him uh, quite the legacy, and uh, he definitely be missed. Yeah, and, and like, Matt, it, this is just one of those great stories how um, the origin story of Pele beginning to play soccer in a, in a, in a, in a small little town in southeastern Brazil uh, really, really poor, and began playing football, as they call it, but uh, with a wad of newspapers crumpled inside of a sock. So that was their soccer ball. And soon after that, he, he was better than all the neighborhood kids. And, 
and they gave him the nickname Pele for reasons that are still a, a little bit unclear because the word Pele means nothing in his native uh, Portuguese. Got to remember that they speak Portuguese in Brazil, uh, not uh, English uh, or not uh, Spanish. And uh, he thought it was uh, at, at an insult at first, but uh, and he didn't care for the name, but but it stuck. And um, and then he went on again uh, in his first full season as a World Cup player. Um, he was uh, he was only 17 years old when he was selected for Brazil's 1958 World Cup team, and. Um, and just uh just really incredible like if you care about sports history i'd suggest everyone go back and and really uh take a look and 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 research a little bit on pele certainly we are going to hear in the next few days a lot about pele and his incredible life i remember uh and i was pretty young at the time when he signed with the cosmos and that was huge news. If there had been an ESPN at the time, it would have been the lead story. But it was the lead sports story in pretty much every paper across the United States. And most people were kind of scratching their heads going soccer. But then he became so popular. And, of course, he became very popular in the mecca of the media of the world, or at least in the Americas or North America. And um, he was very, very popular. I can remember kids in the neighborhood pretending they were him, if you can believe that, instead of Kenny Stabler. Uh, but anyway, we're not going to go down that road. I am going to steer a little bit back towards football in America, and I'll, I'll start with Christian because it just seems to me like Lane Kiffin's wheels have come off. This is crazy. Uh, last night, Texas Tech gave him a little spanking, and they were anytime you can look at this stat with Ole Miss, you can tell whether they won or lost. They were two of seven in fourth down conversions. I did see one they made. They went for it at their own 9, 10, 11, something like that, and made it. But from there on, they made one of six. But he, he loses his last four, including the egg ball? Yeah. Is, I mean, I, I know five. he's not in trouble, but he's got to dig his way out of a ditch. And guess how he's going to do it, in my opinion? Transfer portal. Well, he also, real quick, Christian, he, he played Auburn. He played Auburn because, uh, man, he got a huge con <laughs> new contract, and and uh, maybe Auburn now feels like they got lucky that they didn't get Lane because <laughs> his uh, his his value has gone down. But 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 Christian, your your uh, reaction to really just a, a really bad performance last night by Ole Miss? They clearly were not ready to play in this game and texas tech just I, I thought manhandled them yeah you know i think it again it fits that common theme of for whatever reason sec school somewhat struggling in the postseason uh you know notably bowl games i mean not necessarily the college football playoffs i'm, I'm referring to bowl games here but you know i also think it, it it's that bama effect that i, I mentioned a while back that these teams have high hopes you know, they have these aspirations of winning national championships and SEC championships, and then they have to face the, the almighty Alabama, and, uh, you know, they lose. And it, it's like the whole season, the rest of the season just crumbles. Uh, we joke about, you know, Florida State, when we played them to open the season, they never were the same. Um, or just it just any year, I feel like that you have a team that's um, on a run, and, and they, they have high hopes, and it looks like they might accomplish something big, and then it's like – 
once they lose to Alabama, it's like all hope is lost. And uh, it kind of appears like that could be it. It also could be there might be, you know, they might be dealing with some uh, distractions. You know, you mentioned Lane was in the talks with Auburn about, well, uh, allegedly was in talks with Auburn. I, I guess he wasn't. But, you know, there was a lot of media and, and noise around that. And uh, it, maybe that, that caused some distractions. They just didn't have their head on straight. But I hope they get it figured out, you know, because they looked like a good football team until, you know, the the end of the, the regular season. They just seemed like they kind of fell apart. But uh, hopefully Lane can, you know, get those guys to rally and, and they can figure it out moving moving on to next season. Yeah, and um, I, I I think they will. I I do. I I think Lane is is a really good coach, and I, and I I'm with you, Christian. I I think the uh, the the rumors of Lane uh, sort of being seduced by Auburn and him being the front runner, and and we all thought that really he it was his job to lose. I think that had a impact on on the team. I. I I mean, I I know you have not when you were in college. Obviously, you had one coach, but can you imagine, say, if you weren't in such a stable situation where you're wondering, is my coach going to be here next year or is he not? Wouldn't that have an impact on the players? It can. I'll be honest. We yeah, we we dealt with that <laughs> almost every year. Yeah. I mean, as you could imagine, at Alabama, I mean, we probably have the most coaching turnover there is in the country. Um, but as a player, you just have to do your best to just stay grounded where you're at and you know, take it one day at a time and focus on uh, the, the opponent that you have at hand that week. And that's all you can do because um, it's part of the part of the game and, and a part of this day and age. You know, coaches um, are here today and gone tomorrow, moving on to uh, other positions. So um, it can become a distraction if, if it's not managed correctly. But the best thing you can do is just focus uh, on the day at hand and the opponent at hand and, and make the most of it. How weird was it, by the way, to see Luke Fickle on the sideline for Wisconsin just days after leaving Cincinnati? I mean, it's the equivalent of a, of a kid getting in the transfer portal uh, at the end of the regular season and then going to another school and playing in the bowl game two weeks later. It's really bizarre. I, I it, it didn't feel right, but hey, it worked out for Wisconsin. They won the game. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, and you know we've been talking a lot about bowls. Obviously, uh, Alabama will be playing in a bowl game less than 48 hours from now. 46 hours. They kick it off at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. So we'll talk about that with Chris Walsh from Bama Central on the other side of this break. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to a decline in the economy, car sh- I have 66. Partly cloudy tonight with a low near 51. And for Friday, increasing clouds early. Rain arrives during the afternoon and continues overnight. It'll be breezy with a high near 67. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
Back on Big Noon Sports, Christian Miller, Matt Coulter, along with Lars Anderson, and our usual cast of characters, which will include Chris Walsh here from Bama Central in just a moment. Uh, while we were hooking up with Chris, uh, Lars, uh, NFL guys, you and Christian, and I, certainly I keep up, but I, uh, did the Packers win this weekend? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you're saying there's a chance. Meanwhile, your Bengals just good grief. You could go on and on. And let's mark it. One hour and eighteen minutes in, I brought them up. Yeah, I think they they have a legit the, the way they ride on Burrow. They went can, very very capable. I, of I think you can make the argument that <laughs> I think exactly. you can make the argument that uh, the Monday night game this week, Buffalo coming to Cincinnati is the biggest Monday night game of the year because potentially the number one seed is on the line uh the Bengals have already beaten the chiefs chiefs uh would have to lose one more game but uh basically this this game will determine whether or not uh and i think buffalo and cincinnati will see each other in the playoffs if that game is played in buffalo or in cincinnati and you certainly don't want to be playing that game in buffalo oh and 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 man if you would have said three years ago that Buffalo and Cincinnati would be in this position, and they each would have a franchise quarterback in uh, in, in Joe Burrow and yeah. Josh Allen. It's you know, just like, a... and 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 there is a kinship between the Bills Mafia and Bengals fans, which is pretty cool, uh, which we can get into. But uh, Chris Walsh now joins us from Bama Central. Chris, how was your Christmas? Hectic. I think that's a good word for it. Um, uh, we we scheduled a little too much, but uh, we're we're doing fine and and I'm recovering nicely. I, how, how's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's your children are young. Yeah, oh, and that that makes it fun, but man, it makes it laborious too. Yeah, and we also squeezed in a Disney trip earlier in December, so. Um, it, it's been a very intense month. Chris, um, Chris that, that, that's a suicide mission. What are you, what, what, what are you doing, man? man? <laughs> what are you? What's wrong with you? Oh, Actually, that's, no, a, that's well. good parenting. <laughs> <laughs> suicide mission is good parenting. Somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, no, it was basically... Well, yeah, the, the suicide mission comes from the guy who's got, you know, three kids under the age of seven and, uh, you know, another guy who's a little bit older, but uh, whose kids are a little bit older. All right, Chris, uh, give us your uh, big-picture analysis uh, of the Sugar Bowl matchup uh, with uh, uh, upcoming here with Alabama. Uh, real quick, the reason why we did the... the well, we did the, the Disney trip was because it was the 50th anniversary and it was, we're not going to have, have another chance to do this kind of thing. So um, that's why we squeezed it in and that's why I'm still recovering. So there you go. Um, big okay. picture. Uh, let's see here. Uh, you know, it's an interesting matchup in the, in, with the, in respect to, uh, you know, these teams have never played before. It's, there's no opt outs on either team, which, Shocks the daylights out of me. Um, you know, you've got a team that, honestly, you've got one team that's overachieving. You've got one team that's kind of underachieving this year. Uh, and and I don't want to say that, you know, a team playing in the Sugar Bowl is underachieved, but 
you know, we all thought that Alabama was going to be in the playoff, and it's not. And how do the players react to that for this game? I think is going to be the the total key for how this game goes. I, you look at it on paper. I you know I keep going back. I wrote this yesterday. You know, Kansas State does a three three five defense. The two ends are. 260 pounds, basically. And they're, I mean, they're really good pass rushers, but you know, Alabama's tackles are a little on the mammoth side. Uh, I know what I'm doing if, if I'm Bill O'Brien, but it's, it's, you know, this is a team that plays with a lot of heart. And if, um, if Alabama doesn't match the mental matchup part of it, uh, it's going to be a really tight game. What kind of problems do you see uh, Deuce Vaughn running back for Kansas State? You know, he's a small guy, but a really hard runner and, and, and just a very dynamic playmaker. What kind of uh, kind of uh, matchup problems does he does he cause for Alabama's defense? Yeah, he's good. I mean, he's 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 a fun player to watch, and I, they've got to get him going. I don't know how they're going to get him going, but that's that to me. Kansas State, if 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 they become one dimensional. I, I think Alabama is going to win this going away, but um, he's a dynamic ball carrier. He can make things happen. He's, he's like I said, he's really fun to watch. Uh, you know, I, I, I think you're going to see Kansas State doing everything and everything, anything and everything they can, they can do to try to get Alabama's defense backpedaling a little bit, you know, off its game kind of thing. But, um, if, if Alabama comes to play and if they have the hunger, I, I think they're going to shut down, shut him down. Um, but it's, it's a big if. Chris, I'm really asking you either go to your deep sources or I guess in most cases, um, just pull your crystal ball out. The one thing that is very difficult to gauge when Alabama is not playing for a national championship is how the urging and the recruiting of other coaches like, I think we all know Bill O'Brien is likely going to go someplace else. There are others that may make the move. And, and to me, it's losing that cohesiveness between players and coach that kind of lets a team come unglued when it comes to a big bowl game like the Sugar Bowl. Does it look like that's happening? And, again, I may be asking for a guess here. But I've seen it in the past, and it hadn't worked out well for uh, Alabama, i.e. Lane Kiffin. So do you see that as a potential problem playing Kansas State? I, I don't think so necessarily in this case. I mean, like you said, it's everyone's pretty much where's Bill O'Brien going to end up in the NFL kind of mode. But the quarterback's also going to be leaving, so that's really not much of an of an issue. Um, so usually by now we have kind of a feel for all right, this guy might be coming, this guy might be going, kind of thing. And then you know you have to deal with who gets hired away. But the coaching carousel this year definitely was spinning earlier and there aren't as many changes as usual so i mean we're used to alabama losing half the coaching staff every year i don't necessarily think that's going to happen this year I, I i think we might be looking at three or four instead of the usual five or six so with a matchup like this and saban's done a really good job of kind of keeping things quiet on that and if you will and you know with good reason because i mean it, it they just got through you know early signing period they're still rec- out recruiting guys um you don't want to tip your hand about, uh, as well so 
I, if, if, if they're flat, I don't think that's going to be the reason. Okay. Chris, do you make anything of the fact that uh, earlier this week we saw uh, Jalen Milrow take a, a rep or two at wide receiver? And do you think we'll see Ty Simpson at all in this game? Uh, I wouldn't rule anything out seeing where people might line up. But, uh, yeah, I, I had a player tell me once that the most fun that they have at, at practices are the ball practices. And it's that, that way every year. Uh, everyone's kind of loose. Everyone's kind of doing some different stuff. Right now, Milroe, I, I, you know, I want to see more than that before I start taking that real seriously. Um, you know, maybe maybe they've got a package where they're they're going to have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. I think that'd be kind of fun to see. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. I think they would love to get Milroe and Simpson some playing time, and you know, help them out a little bit with the confidence and the, you know, get, get them, start, start them early for the quarterback competition next year that we think is all going to, you know, we all think is going to happen. Um, but if, if he's at, at receiver or tight end or running back or someplace other than quarterback, I would just assume it's just for, you know, a play or two kind of thing. Um, and you know, it, it's a chance to mess with the media. That's a real easy way to do it. So, uh, I, I so far I don't take too much to it. Chris, is this a pivotal game for Alabama? Do you feel that the outcome of this game um, could affect the trajectory of the program moving forward? No, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't be any more blunt than that. Um, you know, we've seen Alabama come to the Sugar Bowl when it's not playing for a national championship, and you know, it's it lost Oklahoma, lost Utah. And the program was pretty much fine, you know. Still turned around, won national titles after that. If if they came out and played terribly, I, I think that would be um, just, you know, I, I think a lot of people would just kind of chalk it up to, well, they didn't, they weren't playing for anything, and everyone would move on. And then, um, yeah, I don't, I haven't even looked at the schedule next year. I don't even know who who the opener is against, but um, you know, it's, they come out and they win by fifty in the opener next year, and everyone will forget about it. Um, so no, I don't, I don't think it's pitiful. I think this is more of a, um, send off. Uh, that's the, the total vibe that I get. It's, it's, we want to send these guys who have done so much for the program off on a, on a good note. And, um, you know, the bowl practices are obviously important for the future, but the game, not so much. Chris, it's been a while. Can you hang through a break with us? Yeah. All right, let's do that because I want to get into your final four picks with what's going to happen this weekend as well. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Our guest is Chris Walsh from Bama Central, along with our hosts, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, and Matt Coulter. Back with more in a minute. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Did you know that over 90% of male enhancement pills are virtually the same thing that's repackaged, redone over and over again? Why settle for the same old product when you can get something? Back 
back on Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, Christian, and our guest from Bama Central is Chris Walsh. Uh, Chris, tell people how they can listen, find you, follow you. Uh, Bama Central, we are your Sports Illustrated. Yeah, Sports Illustrated home. I haven't done this in a long time. A Sports Illustrated home for all things Crimson Tide. Uh, that includes football, basketball, gymnastics, baseball, softball. We're the only media outlet that covers a lot of Crimson Tide sports on a regular basis outside of football and basketball. So uh, come check us out. We've got a new writer with us, Austin Hannon, the former sports editor of the CW, and we are continuing to add and build and grow. Chris, I got a quick question about the coordinators. You know, there's a lot of talk about these coordinators here at Alabama. Do you feel that they'll be back next season, or do you think one will be gone, one will be back? What are your thoughts on on the two coordinators? Oh, I think I think I think Bill's definitely leaving. I think part of the deal the whole time was, you know, I'm coming for two years. He signed only a two year contract, and it was I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to go back to the NFL, unless like a the right head coaching job would have come along. Um, you know, I, I think my understanding, I could be wrong on this, but my understanding was he was definitely in the mix at Georgia Tech. And then Georgia Tech was like, well, we're only going to pay this much. And he was, okay, thank you. I appreciate your time and moved on. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I that's going to be I, kind of obvious. And, and Nick has even said that next year they're going to go back more to the run-pass option. And I mean, he's, that's not his necessarily his biggest strength. He's much more of a pro set, um, kind of coordinator. And, uh, you know, so it was, you know, that's, that's what they ran because they were, they were trying to get Bryce ready for the NFL as much as possible. So anyways, um, after all that, Golding is, it's much more interesting. And I, I think that Saban is, is a lot higher on him than a lot of people realize, mm-hmm. um, I might be reading the, the tea leaves wrong in this one. I, I don't necessarily think that he's going anywhere. Um, I know everyone's a little of, you know, this defense should have been better this year uh, kind of thing. And, and he's going to be addressing reporters in uh, about two hours in, in New Orleans. And I'm, I'm really curious to, to hear what he says. But, uh, you know, he does – same as involved in the game planning. He's involved in, you know, he hears everything on the headset. He knows every single play that's being called. And Golding is a really good recruiter. I, I, if I was a betting man right now, I'd say that he's going to be he's going to stay. But um, like I said, Nick's keeping it really close to the vest this year on, on the coaches. Oh man, there's so many questions I want to ask you because we haven't had you on for so long. Uh, <laughs> b- before we get before we get into uh, your analysis of the national semifinal games. Who do you think is going to be the opening day starter quarterback for Alabama next season? Or is it going to be a situation like we've seen in the past where Nick comes out and said, hey, uh, uh, Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, we'll see who wins over the team. And and, and that's just uh, usually how these things have played out. Do you think that is what we're going to see next year? And I, I know it's incredibly early to be asking this question, but I think it's a very pertinent one. Yeah, I I think it's, uh, you know, we, we have to go through spring football, and that's where you're going to see the pecking order kind of develop. Uh, it is definitely going to be um, the situation like you just kind of described. 
the guy who wins the team over is going to end up being the starter. And I totally think it's, I mean, even the freshmen could be in the mix on this. I, I think it's going to be that wide open. They're going to, you know, see who can do what, who, who develops the, the, the fastest and, and, and really kind of develops the continuity with the, with the receivers that obviously was a problem this year. Um, so it's, it, I don't think they want to limit themselves. And like we mentioned, they're probably almost certainly going to have a new offensive coordinator. So it's also going to be who works best with the coordinator, picks up the offense uh, as, as fast as possible, and, and, and really develops and, and kind of makes a position his own. So uh, this is probably going to be the most wide open we've seen. Geez, I don't even know. I can't even. I can't remember them having like three guys in the mix like this. Maybe when when Jalen ended up winning twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah. And, and just seeing some pictures of Eli Holstein at practice. That's a big kid. That is a big yeah. kid. <laughs> Can you jump in the mix bit. that quick though? <laughs> I'll I, I guess you get the ball. What, that's what we're all. All right, TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia. Give me a quick thumbnail sketch on what you think is going to happen. Um, if Georgia doesn't win the national title, I will be surprised. That's my five-second analysis. Um, I I think TCU is going to get exposed. Um, I, I Maybe it's just because it's, I've been covering Alabama so long. I'm not excited about this Final Four at all. You know, it, maybe it, it, it could just be me. But it, I, I don't think TCU is good enough to win the win the whole thing. Um, Michigan, I'm sorry, doesn't excite me. I mean, granted, uh, the Wolverines have gotten better. Um, Ohio State, I, I feel like they kind of, you know, I, it, we don't have the best four teams there. That I think that's what my problem is, um, and that's what they always said that they were going to do. It's going to be the best four teams. It's not going to be. Um, you know, based on wins and losses and so forth. That's what we were promised and guaranteed. And I'm sorry, we don't have the, the best four teams there. We probably have the, the the four most deserving, but that's a different story. And so, uh, you know, I'll probably watch the semifinal some, not as much as I as I usually would. But I'm, I'm tapering to me, Georgia's the best team. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And I don't think these other three teams are going to beat them. Chris, what were your thoughts about Will Anderson and Bryce Young playing in the bowl games? Were you surprised? Yeah, shocked. I it's still, I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around it. Um, I think it's great. It's obviously uh, a bit of a risk for them, and and we've we've gotten to the point where now we we expect people to do you know do that kind of thing, opt out, and it's nice. It's 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 kind of a, a breath of fresh air, you know, if you will. Um, and and obviously there's a there's some risk for it, and everyone's kind of thinking back to that linebacker from uh, Notre Dame that got hurt in in his ball game uh, a couple years ago. And uh, you know the 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 thing for me is that the games are artificial turf. You know we've seen you know last year two wide receivers go down playing on artificial turf. You know at the end of their careers, I mean, I, does anyone really think that that? You know the outcome might have been. You know, I, I think every every Alabama fan feels like if Alabama, if, if the Crimson Tide didn't get those injuries last year, they would have won the national title. You know, and so here we are now again. It's it's postseason playing on artificial turf again, which you know I wish it would play more games on grass, but I, I understand why. 
and it's it's a risk. And nobody would have blamed Bryce or Anderson or Battle or you know any of the other guys who have a chance to be a first round pick if they had said, you know what, I just can't do it. So the fact that they are, I I do think it's great. Um, I'm pulling for them, and and I hope that they can get to the point where. You know, it, the game goes the way that Alabama wants, and then they, they, you know, sometime in the second half, they can kind of give them, you know, take a bow and thank you very much, and 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 that'll be it, and get them out of there safely. Chris, the last time Matt Coulter and I were in your living room, we were <laughs> drinking martinis and eating barbecue. barbecue. I, and allegedly. I had no idea allegedly. that, the, the, yeah, allegedly. <laughs> I, I, according I, to local reports. I had no idea, allegedly, that the two could go together so well. All right, so what did you have for your Christmas dinner, and do you have, like, a special New Year's Eve dinner planned? Um, I'll start with the latter one. I have no idea what I'm having for New Year's Eve yet. I When is, when is New Year's Eve? Is it Saturday? Yeah. Uh, it's a game day, yeah. so it's, um, uh, unfortunately, I don't have anything planned. Uh, the Christmas meal, we did a big lunch. I I can't even remember what we had for dinner because of the kids. It was just uh, that kind of crazy <laughs> try-to-keep-up kind of thing. Um, I know I ate something, on, you know, but isn't that just that? No, because you're... <laughs> No, you're, you're you're just like me. Uh, we're both older dads, and uh, it's all about just trying to contain the chaos and survive in advance. Survive in advance. <laughs> and get a little sleep question to everybody. <laughs> Is it uh, potential that the martini would clash with the barbecue or the barbecue clash with the martini? Which is more unusual there? The martini. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, definitely. But he shakes a good one, doesn't he? Hey, Chris. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. Have a great new year. And uh, now that we have kind of different platforms here, we're going to make this a regular a regular deal, if that's okay with you. Yeah, hey, you know, congratulations, guys. And, and um, you know, with the new year, I, I hope uh, is, is great. And I'll be happy to be on whenever you want. Thank Thanks, you, Chris. Chris. See you soon. See you New Year's From Eve. From T-Town to the plane. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. getting stranded with a bad battery. Our professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts will test your battery for free. I have 66. Partly cloudy tonight with a low near 51. And for Friday, increasing clouds early. Rain arrives during the afternoon continues overnight. It'll be breezy with a high near 67. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Heading out to San Francisco for the Labor Day weekend show. Back on Big Noon Sports, Christian Miller along with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Jimmy Buffett. Oh, let's talk. Let's go bowling with Christian Miller. Shall we, Lars? Yeah, let's do it. Um, Christian. Wait, that's, that's, hold on. I, wait, were, Lars, I don't mean to cut you off. That's really weird because I was supposed to go bowling today. <laughs> Are you going to Bolero? 
Uh, actually, I probably was. Yeah, that. Wow, that was strange. Okay, all right. I'll let you finish. Is that Maybe. the one yeah. right near campus? Yeah. Yeah. No. See, I I t- I was just uh, creating my syllabus. I teach uh, teaching advanced sports writing next semester, and I take my kids, my students, uh, bowling. Yeah. And uh, we have a bowling tournament. Josh has participated in the bowling tournament. I think Josh actually won the year that uh, he All was right, in my class. But uh, I have them well, write. That a, was only with the bumpers. Oh yeah, with the bumpers. Uh, <laughs> I have them write a, a a game story. Bolero's a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun. But uh, what what we wanted to ask you uh, about Christian was, uh, I I'm, I'm, I'm sort of searching my mind here of uh, a, a bowl game that you played in that wasn't uh, a part of the national or the national semifinals in the playoffs and and how your preparation went and did it feel different than uh, the preparation you had when you were in the playoffs well that was only one time and uh, that was my red shirt year and it actually was the sugar bowl where we played uh, actually no Wait, excuse me. No, that was in the college football playoff. <laughs> we just unfortunately uh, lost that game. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I played in the playoffs every single year. What about? Uh, yeah, you did play in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah every sorry, single I, I got that year. confused for a second because that was unfortunately the one we didn't make it to the national championship. But that still was the playoff, so I can't answer <laughs> your question because yeah, I was fortunate to, to I'm play. I'm glad you can't answer it. <laughs> but if I, if I'm being honest with you, if I just had to speculate. Uh, it's not going to look any different. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you're going out there to compete. And Coach Saban is is one that harps on the fact that it shouldn't matter. You should not be able to tell um, the quality of your opponent, uh, whether that's in your preparation or just how, how you go out and play the game. It should look the same. It shouldn't matter if you're playing uh, an FCS school. It shouldn't matter if you're playing the number two ranked football team. Um, so their preparation is going to look exactly the same. They want to go out there and win this football game. Um, there's a lot of pride in that organization. Um, you know, they're not taking it lightly. And the fact that two of their uh, best players and leaders um, stepped up and, and, and wanted to play in this game, uh, you know, everybody owes it to them to, to go out there and um, play their best for those guys because they want to go out with the win on their resume. They want to cement their legacy and, and ultimately, you know, leave on a high note. And so th- their, their preparation is going to look no different. Um, they're they're going out there with the, uh, a game plan to win the football game, to be dominant, and uh, that's what I'm hoping they go out there and do. It's so interesting last night uh, hearing Dan Lanning, the head coach of Oregon. He's only 36 years old, but uh, he was um, a defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at Georgia from 2019 to 2021. And you hear him talk. It's like you're hearing a Nick Saban talk. He's like, it's all about the process. It's one play at a time. Every play has its own uh, ending and beginning, its own lifespan. You never look at uh, the scoreboard. It doesn't matter. You're really just playing against yourself. You're not playing against the opponent. And, uh, I mean, it, it was just like if you'd closed your eyes and imagined what Nick Saban would say, uh, uh, Lanning was saying it. And uh, how long does it take as a player once you come into uh, the Alabama system to truly embrace what Coach Saban is preaching? 
Oh, it, it, it usually happens fast. I mean, you're hearing it uh, every day, you know, in team meetings and whatnot. You're hearing, um, you know, this rhetoric on the, on the practice field. And it's, it's also echoed and enforced by the assistant coaches as well. Um, so you're hearing that message day in and day out. And it's almost just, you know, they're, they're beating it into, um, which is a good thing uh, because myself, even with me not playing um, right now, I still use those lessons and those those ideologies and just all those the things that I've learned from Coach Saban in the program in my day-to-day life. Um, so it, 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 it gets ingrained in you quick. And uh, it, it's funny you say that. It's, it's, you even look at Lane Kiffin, you listen to him speak. Um, it's the same thing. He even has picked up the mannerisms. Um, of Coach Saban. So it just goes to show how influential Coach Saban really is. Of the games, the bowl games that you did attend, um, which city and which bowl provided you the most entertainment? Oh, man. Um, well, you know, New Orleans was uh, New Orleans was definitely <laughs> definitely always a fun one, uh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but Dallas is a close yeah. second. Um I had a lot of fun in Dallas when we played in the Cotton Bowl. Um, you know, we we really enjoyed that one as well. Uh, great city, so much to do. Uh, but New Orleans was, I mean, you know, we played in there several times, and it's not far from Alabama, so there's so many fans in the area. And uh, obviously, we all know New Orleans has a lot going on. But um, aside from all that, it really does just have such a cool culture. And, uh, I mean, we had a, an amazing magic show one year i mean the guy was walking around with alligators and snakes and all type of crazy stuff at our dinner at our dinner so just so 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 many cool experiences from these bowl games and when i look back on them man they're just such great memories i I said earlier like i keep getting the memories on my phone um from like four years ago five years ago six years ago and it's just funny i'll see a different bowl game and it just um you know it just brings back such good memories of me and my teammates just enjoying ourselves and just how how special those 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 days were and uh you can't take them for granted uh because they they really are just a, a treasure as we roll out lars Real tonight cool. in the yeah. nfl we need the lars anderson guaranteed lockdown pick between the titans and the cowboys dallas is favored by 13 13 I actually think Malik Willis is going to have a good game. I know he hasn't thrown for more than 100 this year. I think he's going to go throw for 250. I, I'm i taking Titans Straight to, up. to cover. Cover. And perhaps upset the Cowboys. Is Derrick Henry going to play? Do you know, I, Christian? I don't think uh, he is. No, but uh, I hate to, to blow smoke with Lars, but I think Josh Dobbs is getting the start for Tennessee tonight. I think they're going with him over Malik Willis. Okay. So. Oh. That's going to be an interesting one to Malik tune into. Well. Uh, well, that's right. why I'm not a very good gambler. <laughs> we got to go. Have a wonderful Thursday afternoon. My friend and I are taking a trip here, but neither of us speak Spanish. So we downloaded Babbel and started learning Spanish fast. Want to start getting conversational in another language?